You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Let me ask you the question again. Are we too busy, underline that word, busy, to direct our feet to the places where Christ most reasonably may be found? We have time for everything else. We have time for vacations. We have time for social events. We have time to watch TV. Some of you are going to fly out of here after the service to watch the Jets play Miami. I'm going to be one of those people myself. Then later on, the Giants take on the Cowboys. Oh boy, Pastor Jose, you know, he's a Cowboy fan. You know, the thing people value the most is their time. They can't get it back. You can't put it in a time bank for later. What you have is what you have. People make time for the things that are important to them. And it's always been this way. Jacob and Esau made time for what was important to them. Even though you don't hear much about Jacob's use of his time, Esau, as Pastor Mike will share in his message, didn't seem to have time for anything but what he wanted. What do you spend your time on? Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Genesis chapter 25 as he continues his message, Our Birthright. And then secondly, if you're not fully committed to Christ and have failed to go on with him, with, as I mentioned before, all of the wonderful resources that are ours and available to us, there's no excuses for any of us not to be able to go on to maturity. Well, then think about this. All of those resources available, sources of strength, therefore, you are forfeiting the benefits of God's written word, the Bible. You say, what am I talking about? Well, how about the counsel of the word of God, the leading of the word of God, the direction from the word of God, the comfort that is derived from studying the word of God, the strength. Paul put it this way, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Oh, I can't overemphasize the importance of studying the Word of God, appreciating the Word of God, digging in to the Word of God, praying over it. But presumably, think about this, put two people alongside of one another. Here's someone who's committed to Christ. Here's someone who's not committed to Christ. I'm thankful that no one's sitting in these chairs this morning because I wouldn't want to use you as an example. But here's the Christian. Man, he can't get enough of studying the Word. And he's not totally dependent upon me to come to one of our midweek services or Sunday morning services 
so that I can spoon feed him the word of God. He's digging in. He's reading it whenever he has the opportunity to read it. Every day he starts his day, brushes his teeth, sitting in his living room, in his easy chair, before he does anything, before he even has breakfast, opens up the Word and is reading it. Praise God. That's what we need to do. Whatever your schedule allows you. It might be uh, opening the Bible, listening to a Bible teaching tape on your way to work on public transportation here in New York. That's probably a good bet. That's probably a more accurate example of how you guys study the Word. But nevertheless, you're digging in deeper. You've become a serious student of the Word of God. And then here's the unbeliever who's not committed to going on in his relationship with God. He holds spiritual things extremely loosely. Presumably, then, that person isn't studying the Word. You know, i got to tell you, let me use this as an example. Get a phone call. Pastor Mike, need to talk to you. Do you have some time that we can spend together? Yeah, sure, come on in. I'm in on Tuesdays for counseling, and we set up the appointment, they come in, and that person's sitting across my desk, and he begins to broadcast the things that are going on in his life, and things have fallen apart, and his relationship with God is lacking. It's not what it used to be like. His enthusiasm has weaned. I'm just listening to all of this. He's going on and on and on and on. He's telling me how things have gotten really bad, spiritually speaking. And then there's a break. And I always respond by asking him the same question. Whoever comes into my office, how much time do you spend reading God's Word on a daily basis? And inevitably, they'll respond, well, you know what? I haven't read it in months. Well, therein lies the problem right there. Get into the Word. So presumably, then, the person who is not committed to going on in his walk and his relationship with the Lord is not studying the Bible, is not giving himself over to the study of the Word. Not only is he not reading it, he's not praying over it, which, by the way, is a good thing to do. Some people, they get into all of these crazy programs. I don't know where they get this idea from. You don't have to, like, speed read through the Bible, okay? Just take a portion of Scripture daily. I mean, there's so many study helps that will help you to accomplish this. But if you can't get over to your Bible bookstore or whatever, I mean, you can go online and get one of those study helps. But, you know, just choose one book of the Bible. For example, the book of Ephesians or the Gospel according to John. And you don't even have to take a chapter. You could just read, but read it like expositionally. Take, for example, the first five verses of Scripture and then read it and then chew on it and meditate upon it. And then after you've done that, ask yourself a couple of questions. How does this relate to me? How can I put it to practice as I walk out the door now in personal experience? And then pray over it. We need to pray over the Word as we study it. We need to read it. We need to pray over it. We need to lay up its truths in our hearts. We need to hide those things deep within our hearts. So let me ask you this question. Do you appreciate this treasure that God has left for us, the Bible? Everything that we need to know has been recorded for us and preserved here in this book. Do we appreciate this treasure? Esau can almost be excused for his materialism. Why was that? Someone, come on, a pop quiz. Why? Julie, come on, tell us. You're sitting in the front row. You should never sit in the front row. 
because he didn't have a Bible. <laughs> right, Julie? I knew you were going to say that. Okay. I was reading in her mind. He didn't have a Bible. But now, the Bible is everywhere. It's on sale in virtually every bookstore. Secular Christian, it doesn't matter. You know, go to yourself over to Barnes and Nobles. They have a whole section on spirituality. I love it. There's sections they refer to it as spirituality. You know what really bothers me? Can I get this off my chest? Will you allow me to get this? Okay, thank you. I've been waiting to get this off my chest. There's this crazy commercial that they've been airing now on TV. And this girl comes on. I, she may be sitting in a lotus position. And she's like speaking into the camera. And she says, well, I consider myself a very spiritual person. You know what the ad is for? Candles. So that's how people determine whether they're spiritual or not, whether they have candles in their homes. Oh, my gosh. How far we've deviated from the truth and the knowledge of the truth. So anyway, thank you for allowing me to get that off my... I feel a lot better now. The Bible is everywhere. It's on sale in virtually every bookstore with tons of versions, scholarly translations, paraphrases. We have commentaries. We have Bible dictionaries. We have encyclopedias. We have scores of study helps. Listen, no race in history is as blessed as us. So do we despise the Word of God? Think about this. Have we no time for the study of God's Word? A little bit of trivia, and I hope that this helps you to gain even a greater appreciation. But when the moderator of the Church of Scotland participates in the coronation service of a king or queen of England, he presents the new monarch with the Bible, and he shares these words, the following words, and I love this. Quote, the most precious thing this world affords, the most precious thing that the world knows God's living word. And then he presents the Bible to them. Don't you just love that? Listen, God's gracious communication with sinful men and women. That's exactly what the Bible is. And what a wicked people we must be if we neglect to immerse ourselves in it. And let me ask you this question. Do you think God will overlook our contempt for spiritual things? I don't think so. Will there come a day on our part when with tears in our eyes we'll search for such blessings as these and not be able to find them? That's the warning of that portion of Scripture in the book of Hebrews in chapter 12. So that's the second benefit. Don't forfeit it, man. And listen, if this isn't a part of who you are, ask God to put that desire within you. You can be absolutely sure that God will respond and answer that prayer. God, give me a greater appreciation for your word and help me to study it. Help me to understand it. Don't you think God would answer that question? I mean, that's the way that God wants to communicate with us. And I think that you could be sure that God would answer that prayer. But there's another benefit that we are in danger of forfeiting, and that is the ministry of the church. That is, if we're not fully committed to Jesus and going on with him. You know, yesterday was our monthly prayer breakfast. What a precious time. Pastor Jose, was it cool or what? 
Oh, man, it was really cool. And you always hear me say this, but Will, it was great yesterday too, right? And uh, by the way, Will is our chef at all of these monthly prayer breakfasts. And, uh, huh? Robin, you were smart in marrying this guy. Does he do all the cooking at the house? Always, does he? I don't know. But you, you make a mean ham, man. I've had your ham. He does it? Really? You do that too, Will? Oh, okay. Okay. There's a humble guy giving the credit to his wife. All right. But what a sweet time of fellowship and prayer. And you hear me say this all the time, but it's so very true. The prayer meeting continues over the next couple of weeks, the next couple of months, because we leave there now aware of the needs of our brothers and sisters who have attended that prayer meeting, and we continue to hold them up in prayer. And it's so precious. Every one of us are being very transparent. You gather around that table after having a meal, and God has a way of just breaking us. There are tears in our eyes, the things that are vexing us. We're pouring ourselves out. It's a really precious, sweet time. Man, you guys, you need to commit yourselves. to. It's only once a month, and we're only there. And plus, there's the great breakfast that's involved always with the prayer meeting. It's so cool. You guys need to come out. Such a blessing, such a blessing. So, so anyway, I don't know, how did I even get off on that? Oh, the ministry of the church. I got started sidetracked there because I was really, I was so encouraged after leaving the meeting. It was just a really special time. So another benefit, we're forfeiting, despising, if not fully committed to Jesus and going on with him, is the ministry of the church. Think about it. The fellowship that we enjoy one with another, the worship that we share, the protection of a believing family. One of my five kids is a special needs son. He's autistic. And uh, he goes through these cycles. It's a part of his disability. And he has these extreme highs and lows. And when he's on one of these lows, it's extremely difficult. Well, even when he's on one of those, it's, it's difficult. He's such a blessing. I'm not complaining or anything. But for a week, and I'm not exaggerating. For a week, all he did was make noise and clap for 24 hours. It's like living in a crazy house, really. And he, he went through that for an entire week. Well, this Thursday, in our midweek service, and you can do this when you're the senior pastor of the church. You can let people know and list everyone's help through prayer. And i got to tell you something. Before the service was over, I asked everyone at the conclusion of the message maybe even before I began the message for our midweek service, to please pray for Elijah that he was going through one of these episodes and very noisy, irritable, seemed to be in discomfort. We don't know. What's, he doesn't speak, so we don't know if he's in pain. We don't, know, we don't know what it is. It could be his stomach. It could be his teeth. Who knows what it is? And it kills you, man. You wish, as a father, you know, a parent, you wish you could trade places with your kid if you think he's suffering. So it just... It makes you crazy. So anyway, on Thursday, I, I let people know and asked them to pray. No sooner did I get home and Elijah went out of that cycle. It was amazing. And he's getting better now. He's still not completely at it because it's a process. But he's now kind of swimming. And in fact, we were driving to church and we were listening to Disney. He loves Disney. He loves Disney tunes. Go figure. <laughs> the Little Mermaid and stuff like that. So we play them in the cars. We're driving into the city for our service. 
And he's just all smiles in the back seat and humming along. And, but listen, I can only explain that by putting God's people praying for Elijah behind it. You see, the fellowship of the saints. There we forfeit the protection that is ours. It's an amazing thing. The blessing of a family presided over by spiritually minded leaders. And we should be so thankful for the leaders, the elders here in our fellowship who have so faithfully served this body for so many years. So let me ask you this question. Are we too busy to direct our feet to the places where Christ most reasonably may be found? That is church. I'm talking about church. Or do you just blow it off? Do you sort of casually consider coming out? God forbid you should make a commitment to come out for a midweek service. And listen, I know we're not the church on the corner. You can just jump out of bed, brush your teeth, throw some clothes on, walk out your front door and walk a block and you're here. I know you guys come from all of the boroughs throughout New York. I know how hard and difficult it is for you to get here, even on a Sunday morning. And that's the reason why so many of you come as late as you do. But God bless you. You're missing a portion of the service in worshiping the Lord. And worship is as important as studying the Word of God, folks. It is. Maybe I'm at fault here. Maybe I'm the reason why. Because we place such a great emphasis on the study of the Word of God. Maybe people have come under the wrong impression that, well, in comparison, you know, worship isn't that important because Mike always talks about the importance of the study of the Word of God. But it's equally as important. We've come together to express our love for God. How do we do that? Through our worship. It's not the formality of like the songs that we sing. Okay, now we're going to sing. Let's stand. Let's lift up our hands. Put it, let's clap. You know, it's not, those, are, those are the catalysts for us to express the sentiments, the deep sentiments within our hearts and our souls and our love and our appreciation for who he is and what he's done in our lives. So you need to get here on time, okay? But listen, I would rather have you come late and not come at all. And I know how hard it is for you to get here, and I know public transportation never runs on time, so thank you. Don't feel rebuked. I'm not rebuking you. I love you. You know I love you. Anyway, let's go on here. I don't know how I got off on that either, but... But let me ask you the question again. Are we too busy, underline that word, busy, to direct our feet to the places where Christ most reasonably may be found? We have time for everything else. We have time for vacations. We have time for social events. We have time to watch TV. Some of you are going to fly out of here after the service to watch the Jets play Miami, and I'm going to be one of those people myself. And then later on, the Giants take on the Cowboys. Oh, boy, Pastor Jose, you know, he's a Cowboy fan. Esau had no time for spiritual things. But here's the question. Are we any better? Do we have time for fellowship with God and his people? If not, well, these are not my words. These are the Bible's words. We're godless. We're wicked. That's what the Bible calls us. Now, let me leave you with this conclusion. And did you put a marker in that chapter, in Hebrews chapter 12? Let's go back to it. Let me leave you with this conclusion. One last thought. In the book of Hebrews in chapter 12, following the references to Esau, there is an appeal to press on in Jesus. 
Let's pick up in verse 18. For you have not come to the mountain. I'll explain this. I'll set it up for you in a moment. For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burn with fire and to blackness and darkness and tempest. By the way, it's a reference to Sinai where God came down and gave to Moses the Ten Commandments. And the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words so that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. For they could not endure what was commanded. And if so much as a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned or shot with an arrow. And so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. Okay, so what do we have here? What's the depiction? Well, it's an image of Israel from the book of Exodus as they're standing at the base of Mount Sinai They're trembling before the mount. God had descended to give the law through Moses. Now, that was then. They were terrified. The smoke, the mountain trembled as if it was a great earthquake. But now, there's no course for terror. There's no excuse for not pressing on. Because notice he goes on to, in comparison, to make this point in verse 22. He says, You guys weren't like Israel, but you, in verse 22, have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem that is depicted for us in the book of Revelation in chapter 21 that comes down from heaven after we cross over and enter into eternity and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, and then to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. So in other words, there's no reason why, there's no course or cause, rather, for terror now, There's no excuse for not pressing on. And so through this portion of Scripture, God is warning us now. See that you do not refuse the one who speaks. Hold on to your birthright. Go on to a fullness of faith in Jesus and to true service for Him. Sometime during the week, I just encourage you guys to take an inventory of your life. And how do you measure up to this study, this text that we were treating? Are we guilty in any way, as was Esau? I want you to think about that. And if you are, well, then just correct it. That's why God drew you here to speak to you. In my Father's house. There's a place for me in my father's house where I long to be. Oh, my Here at In My Father's House, we're going through the book of Genesis, where the story of the beginning is told. God made light and said that it's good. God made plants and trees and said that it's good. God made animals on land and in the sea, and he said that it's good. And then God made man, 
and he said that it is very good. Creation didn't stop at the end of the sixth day. Creating is an inherent part of who God is and what He does. Look around you. What do you see? New plants, new trees, new animals, each one unique in how it grows. And God is still saying it is good. God is in the business of creating new people out of old ones, undoing the inherent brokenness. When you were born again, a new creation, God looked at you and said that you are very good. He has made you new and restored you to the place you were designed to fill. You've been listening to In My Father's House with Pastor Mike Venizio. This is a ministry out of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Midtown Manhattan. We'd love to see you here. You can find all the information you need, including service times, on our website, harvestnyc.org. That's harvestnyc.org. If you're listening outside of Manhattan, we'd love to know that, too. Please send us a quick note at harvestnyc at verizon.net. That's harvestnyc at verizon.net. It's a great encouragement to Pastor Mike and the team at In My Father's House to hear where these messages are being listened to. We hope you'll come back and see us again, because there's no better place to be than in my father's house.